The Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone, to the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Uh, I'm Stephen Halasnik, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. For those of you who don't know about Financing Solutions, for the last 12 years, we have provided very easy to set up lines of credit for small businesses. Um, we are using our own money. We don't use any third party. We're not brokers or anything like that. We're using our own money to, to provide lines of credit to small businesses. And over my 25 plus year career, I've always had a line of credit. It's, uh, it's, I feel passionate about the idea that every uh, business should have a line of credit. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about a line of credit for your organization, please visit fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS. Uh, as in financing solutions, creditline.com. For as far as an introduction about myself, if you don't know who I am, uh, over the last 25 years plus, I after 25 years, you stopped saying how many years you've done it. But I have built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, uh, revenue range per year, including two companies on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience, and today I'm very excited to be speaking with Brett Gilliland from Elite Entrepreneurs. Uh, and before we get to, uh, to uh, Brett, uh, I just want to talk about our sponsor for today. It's a company called Technology Management Group. Uh, for 30 years, they have been involved in cybersecurity. And, um, <clears throat> you know, cybersecurity, if you have a question about it, if you're concerned about it, if you've gotten hit, hopefully, you know, if you haven't gotten hit, um, you, you kind of think about maybe we should have a plan to handle our cybersecurity um, and you can give them a call or visit them and visit them at their website is cyberctrl.net. It's again, cyber, S-Y-B-E-R-C-T-R-L.net. Uh, uh, I like to welcome Brett Gilliland. He is the founder and CEO of Elite Entrepreneurs, a company that specializes in giving companies that are uh, at one million dollars in revenue um, the knowledge, processes, and to tools to grow to ten million dollars and beyond. Which is great because that's the purpose of this podcast, and we'll get into that in a second. So Brett is an expert in organizational development, leadership, and strategy, has spent 10 years helping uh, Infusionsoft grow from $7 million in revenue to over $100 million. Brett, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. I'm really excited to be with you. And uh, hearing you give your background a little bit, I'm, I'm especially excited. I'm like, I want to turn the mic mic around and, and hear about some of your scaling lessons. But yeah, I'm excited to share anything I can with your audience and looking forward to the conversation. Well, good. It should be a good conversation. What was your role at um, Inf Inf Infusionsoft? Yeah, so um, we made up our own titles, as a lot of tech companies do. I'm a huge Jim Collins fan. And so we were intending from the start to, to build a built-to-last company. And so naturally, built to last had to be in my title. Um, I was the built to last guy there for several years. And then a little bit later in the time, I worked more closely with the CEO as his right hand. He just called me strategic advisor to the CEO. 
And then later he called me vice president of Infusionsoft, not like a functional vice president, but it just, you're, you're my, my second. Uh, so, you know, titles didn't mean a whole lot to us back then, but I was the culture guy, the organization development guy, did leadership development work there, uh, ran the strategic planning process, made sure that, that we spent enough time collectively working on the business, not just in it. So there was a lot of, a lot of things that I did there, but, um, built the hiring and onboarding process there. So a lot of the, the strategic alignment, people, processes, and systems kind of work is what I did there. The culture guy. And you're, um, when, you, when you were on board with the company, what was their revenue at the time? So yeah, that, that introduction you gave, 7 million is when I entered the scene. And then we grew that to 100 million. Um, so it was, a, it was a great ride. I learned all the, all the transition things that have to happen in a business to grow through each of those stages. Um, and since then, we, we've, I've been teaching the last 11 years, hundreds of business owners in that seven-figure space, how to make that transition that you know really well from scrappy, capable founder, right? Business owner who kind of throws everything on their back to very competent business building CEO. There's, and there's a difference. There's the figuring out how to do everything and get it set up and get it off the ground. That's the entrepreneurial work. And then the entrepreneur has to make a shift to, oh, I got to set a vision. I got to build a team. I got to make sure we have the resources, which I, I love the, the line of credit thinking that you have and how you serve people that way. I, I absolutely agree with that point, by the way. I'm like, make sure you've got the resources, the runway to go be an investor in your business not just a, a you know, cost-conscious business owner who can't think strategically and, and with an investment mindset. So anyway, that's, that's the transition from entrepreneur, scrappy, gritty founder to capable business building CEO. That's what we're, we're trying to help them with. So when you, you, when you came into Infusionsoft at $7 million and that when they were at $7 million in revenue, uh, what was what was your intended role? What was the intended role that the CEO brought you on for? Yeah, so they had raised some money. Uh, speaking of access to capital, they had raised some money because they were planning to scale, and they had built a, a pretty unique company. They had a they had a, a vibe to them. You know, it's a high tech company, um, fast pretty fast growing. You, you mentioned Inc. 500 lists. Some of your companies have done that. We, we did that as well. Uh, we did seven years in a row between five, Inc. 500 and Inc. 5000. And the, what he brought me on to do was to help build the people side of the business and preserve and scale the culture that was unique. And so I, the first thing I did was come in and help establish values. They, they had a culture, but they hadn't articulated it. And so we put together the value set for the business. And then I built the hiring and onboarding processes to, to get the right people in so that we could keep the specialness that they had created with the start of their company, uh, but be able to scale that. And, and then it just kind of blossomed from there what, what he involved me with. But originally it was, how do I get the right people in here and scale this culture without, use, without losing our special sauce? Okay. And was he, was the owner at the time? So and we'll, let me get this out of the way first, just so all of our listeners know, there's a significant difference in a company who grows with revenue through angel funding 
and through venture capital than there is from some uh, a company just typically that would grow through organic growth. Sure. So, uh, you know, you, you have more resources, more tools, you have some more problems because you have investors and those type of things. Yeah. But, you know, a company that's, and to be blunt, a company that says to me, they got to a hundred million dollars and, you know, they started off with angel funding. That's a different scope of a company. That's a company that's specifically built to scale because the investors, people who have not had angel funding before don't really know about angel funding. Investors really only get their money out when there's a exit strategy that occurs with the business, such as uh, you sell to another company, you acquire other companies. Um, <clears throat> so if the company is making money, typically the angel funder doesn't benefit a lot from that type of strategy, that uh, something like that. They want they get they get their money when something happens at the end. So, so um, and and the reason I say that is because a lot of our listeners are you know uh, businesses that have grown organically. Now maybe they might be looking for angel funding, and there's a certain amount of criteria that's required for that. But uh, so was yeah, your? I, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't matter a ton, but just just to be fair. Infusionsoft was bootstrapped, very little. Uh, up to seven million. Up to seven million. So the the funding was, hey, let you know, let's pour gas on this thing, let's grow it okay. more quickly. Uh, so, and, and I wasn't there from zero to seven million, but all along the way, uh, in the last 10, 10, 11 years, I've been helping businesses of every kind, not just software, that get stuck. And you know this well because of your own experience. They get stuck typically excuse me, typically somewhere between one and three million. They just kind of hit a revenue ceiling. They, they plateau. They were growing just fine. Then they sort of plateau. There's a next level of, of organizational complexity that they got to figure out. And whether whether it's a, a funded company or a bootstrapped company, the same stages are, are present. The same hurdles are, they got to overcome the, the same hurdles. And it's it's a different environment to be sure, but the the principles and some of the the challenges that they're dealing with are very similar. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the for discussion today, as far as scalability, um, and, and the and the and the challenges that affect that, I I don't think it matters if it's angel funding or if it's not. You know, so and none of my companies have had any investors, so you know it's a little different. I'm not that's not a positive or negative. It's just what they weren't those type of business. It wasn't yeah. the type of businesses that had uh, uh, astronomical growth intended for it. Well, I mean, they did grow fast, but uh, but not enough for me to compete. You know, want to get angel funding. So, and I, I know a little bit about it because I did angel funding for three years. So I know a little bit about it. I didn't do any deals, but I was involved in looking at, you know, hundreds of deals and, and that's a different story. Yeah. So, so, um, but I, I, I got this question and then we'll jump into the, a little bit more of the subject matter because I'm just curious, was the owner already a Jim Collins fan before you came on board? Uh, he was, he's an avid, he still is an avid reader today. And so he he reads like six books a quarter. So one of those guys, mm -hmm. um, and so he he knew Jim Collins' work. He was he was a fan, um, not as much as I, I was, but I, that's why he brought me in to help him do that kind of work. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so let's tell me what you saw when you, uh, you, you did alluded to it a little bit. So let, let's move a little bit more into your consulting practice, you know, your coaching practice versus the company, you know, that yeah. you're working for at the time. So in general, and I know, you know, we've covered this quite a bit, on a lot of my podcasts, but tell me what you typically see in the companies that are under $3 million in revenue. And, uh, and, uh, tell me what you say. Yeah. What I typically see, and, and this again, doesn't matter the, the industry, the, the business model almost without fail. What we typically see is a business owner who's got some strengths, right? They're really good at something. Often they're a master of their craft. So they know the product or service inside and out, or they're an amazing sales and marketing type of person. They don't usually have mastery of all of those entrepreneurial skill sets, but they've, they have some sort of strength and they built a business around that strength and they built a team around them that have sort of multiplied what they can produce so that they often are like the super producer or they're super involved in all the details of making this business run. And they often have a hard time organizing work in a way and, and bringing clarity to a growing team that allows them to take targeted, coordinated action, right? So it's like bottleneck city is what we often see. Um, they also, especially if they're getting closer to like 3 million, that team's getting, let's say 25, 30 people. Um, they're starting to struggle with the, the challenge of really building a leadership team. So there's a couple transitions in there. The bottleneck is huge, having a hard time really letting go and and then organizing the work and giving true ownership to people, uh, especially when it comes to like building a functional leadership team, that's a struggle for them. So then, uh, so, and this is a leading question. Um, so have you seen owners that are reluctant to give up any control and therefore it stops them from getting over that hypothetical $3 million mark because of that? Yes, absolutely. In fact, yeah. I see many of them get stuck closer to 1 million because of that. Yeah. yeah. What's their problem? What's the matter? I hate to say it that way, but why? No, no. I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. They're like, they're wor- the, 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 we all are our worst enemy at some point. It might be a million. It might be 5 million. It could be 10 million. It could be 20 million, but yeah. we're our worst enemies unless we realize that we're, we're, we are our worst enemies uh, at yeah. some point. Right. I, I have a, a, a member right now in one of our groups. I, I call him a friend and we don't hang out outside of work. He lives in another state. But I, I just really I like the guy. Right. Like he's a, an amazing human being, super giving, super talented. But he, he's built a company that has more than 100 people in it. And he's still so personally involved in everything. Like and this in, in one way, it's admirable. <laughs> But another way, it's crazy. He single-handedly goes around across the country because he has people all over the country and he meets with every person every year. Like he's just so involved in every aspect of the business. And and it really is tapped out now. Like he can't get past that because he's failed to build a really capable leadership team. That well, can- have them all come to him. Well, 
and, do and he does that a couple, yeah, a couple times a year. They have a big, you know, all employee get together and celebrate. But he just so hands on on everything yeah. that he can't he can't let go. And so so here's the answer to your question. Some of them can't let go because of like he's a perfectionist. He can't. He was like, it has to be done right. I got to be involved so that it's got you know it has to be done right. Some of them can't let go because of fear, and the fear is that something's going to fall apart. Like, like they sort of know that I've, I've done all this work, but I feel like my business is, is like a, a house of cards and it's ready to crumble at any moment. Or they're concerned about that customer experience. Like their personal identity is wrapped up in the brand of the company so tightly that if we, if we screw up that customer experience because I'm not involved in it in some way, or, or that client is unhappy because somebody on my team didn't do something right or, you know, something fell through the cracks that that's on me somehow. And so whether it's fear or perfectionism, there's this ego thing where our, our identity as the business owner gets like inextricably linked to the business and we can't separate. It's like, we need to separate church and state a little bit in our business. There's my personal identity. Then there's the business and the business needs to have its own purpose, its own meaning separate from the the entrepreneur's goals but for the first however long that business existed those two things were so tightly linked that now it's it's hard to separate them yeah i mean i i look at my own style and uh you know uh my style and you know i never really articulated this in in this way is um it's good enough it's good enough okay it i i'm not a perfectionist by any means uh, do I love great execution? Yes. But to me, great ex- execution doesn't have to be perfect. It can be good enough. And the fact that I've grown mu- companies from, from, you know, 1 million one year to 3 million the next year to 5 million the next year to 11 million the next year to 25 million the next year tells you that that good enough strategy has treated me well, uh, you know, because I, and I've done that with not one company, literally with six companies. So, uh, and I don't mean that revenue, but those jumps, right. Yeah. And no, they, uh, but you, you know how to grow it. And but I yeah. And I think, yeah. Oh. And I think, you know, going into scalability and, and, uh, and lessons learned, so, I mean, I'll tell you this, this story just to illustrate what you're talking about a lot. And, and that is, uh, so, uh, so the last two companies I've started, I have a great business partner. He's my best friend too. Now he is. Uh, and, but I've known him for a while, but, um, and, but he had started a very successful business too. Right. And he very, really just such an astute guy. And, uh, so we were starting our sixth company. Uh, I'm sorry. I was starting my sixth company. It was like the last two have been with him and, and we had already been working together uh, with financing solutions for six years. And then we started another company called Elite Funeral Funding. And, uh, and, and we literally got everything done with that company when it started, what needed to get done in three months versus what have t- would have taken me three to five years when I first started. Because uh, I knew we, he knew, I knew, okay, we need a lead generation system. We need a CRM system. We need an accounting system. We need some, key, we need these, these key uh, employees. 
it, it was just like, and we, we literally went from zero to $500,000 in monthly revenue in six months, right? Because we knew everything that was required in a business, KPIs, yeah. everything, right? And my point of saying that is, you know, a coach like yourself, it can accelerate that experience and 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 uh, and learning experience because you know uh, uh, if if you listen to the uh, if you watch the uh, re, re, excuse me read the book Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, you know it takes ten thousand hours or ten years to become an expert at something. If you are you know a new business owner, in you know you got to learn a lot super fast. And if you can accelerate that, your business is going to be more successful quicker. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you can learn it the hard way, which you did. I did. You know, no, I had a business coach though. I actually well, did. Okay. But my point yeah. is like, you, you can learn it through your own experience or yes. you can get some help. Yeah. And, and you, I mean, yes, it, it takes some time and energy and some, some investment to go get some help, but it takes a lot more time, energy, investment to go figure it out yourself. So I agree. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. My business coach, I don't like look at it. I had her for nine years, um, you know, and I got a business coach. Uh, I think it was 17, uh, longer than that, uh, 20 years ago, which was business coaches were unheard of then. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, I would tell you that, she was more of somebody who I could talk to about my problems at work than about someone who nowadays, like someone like yourself, uh, Brett, you, you know, you have a lot of experience and you can accelerate that growth. So, I mean, I still, I, I belong to the entrepreneur organization. I read a lot. I had some really great friends. I had a mentor for 25 years. I had the business coach. I was able to accelerate my growth uh, as a as a business owner because um, I did all the right things and learning. Now I think the tools to run a successful business are so much better than they than they used to be. Um, so so, how do you typically help uh, business owners? Like you'll you'll come they'll bring they'll bring you on for an engagement. Typically, why do they bring you on? Yeah, typically it's because they have they've they've hit a revenue plateau, plateau. of some sort, um, or they just are are feeling burnout. On the other hand, right? There's another thing. It's like I've been doing this for so long, I feel like I'm I'm pedaling faster, but I'm not getting more out of this bike. And we just help them shift gears a little bit, right? And then it's like that same energy in the, in the right gear now yields more output on that bike. But when they're just hustling and hustling and hustling, trying to break through a ceiling and, and they're just hitting that wall. We're like, okay, there's, there's gotta be a better way. They finally figure that out. Like, yep, there is a better way. And it's just a little bit of, sometimes it's just a little mindset. Sometimes it's a tool. Sometimes it's a little skill development. Sometimes it's all of those things, but it can be learned just like they learned sales and marketing, just like they learned, you know, all the, all the other stuff to get their business to where it is. This stuff can be learned. And I love that you pointed out, Stephen, and I hope everybody heard it. It's like, I belong to EO. I had a mentor. I had a business coach. I'm reading, right? Like all the stuff 
your businesses grew because you grew. And that like if, if, if people don't get anything else out of our visit today, except for this one thing, I hope they'll take this away. Your business can only grow as far as you can take it as the leader. And if you don't grow, your business is not going to grow. And so I yeah. applaud you and many others, Stephen, for recognizing it. I have to push myself to places I've never been if I want my business to go places it's never been. Yeah, and I think that million dollar mark is uh, any any business owner that's under a million dollars in revenue for a significant amount of time. To me, so um, because of entrepreneur the entrepreneur organization, because of other reasons too, I know a ton of business owners. Right. My forum group in my entrepreneur organization has been together for 25 years. You know, we had a couple of guys in and out once in a while, but, but in general, we've been together. And what you saw with the people who uh, stayed lifelong entrepreneurs uh, or had successful exits is that they were always learning, always. And, and those who only, you know, just, couldn't grow their business past a million dollars for an extended period of time or, you know, under that, uh, they were so wrapped up in their businesses that they don't, they didn't have the, they felt they didn't have the time to spend on, uh, development. Uh, so there is a correlation between learning and success. And I mean, that's the same thing with anything. If you look at, if you become a really great tennis player, you know, or something else, you, you gotta have, you gotta have a coach, you know, that's, you know, I'm not saying you have to have a coach, but you have to be learning. You have to be watching, you know, watching videos or watching other people play. You can't just go out there and play. It just doesn't get you better, you know, yeah. uh, a lot. So, so now, um, what, what have you seen? Like, okay, so, $3 million in revenue. Uh, what, where, where have you typically seen your best clients transform themselves at that point? Yeah. So whether, again, it's somewhere between one and three that this happens. So pick a spot in there, but where there's, there's a few fundamentals that, that I'll point out and they'll all be very familiar to you. But the first is that they get super intentional and super grounded. And what I mean by that is they do, they get really clear on the purpose for the business separate from themselves as the entrepreneur, right? Not that they're not compatible. They're, they're very synergistic or they're complementary, but they're separate. Here's the purpose of this business. It deserves to have life on its own. What is that purpose? So we get clear on the purpose. We articulate the values because we don't want anybody to be a part of this ride who doesn't fit the values. And so we're going to hire, we're going to lead. We're going we're gonna to fire to the values and we got to get clear on that. And then we get super dialed in on a destination oriented mission. When you say there's the hill that we're going to take, right? That, that's the destination right there that we're going to go after. Now we know how to align resources. We know how to do good strategy work because we know what's going on in the market and we know our chosen destination. So then I can do good strategy work and I can align how we organize work from the org chart to the budget to how we spend time in meetings, all of it lines to that destination. So we get really intentional with purpose, values, mission, really grounded around that. That's the first thing. Then we build the right kind of meeting rhythms, right? And, and I don't care if you use EOS 
or our elite growth method, you got to have some structure, some process, some rhythm for balance, the balancing act of working in the business and working on the business. And that's, that's a little cliche, right? You got to spend time working on the business and less in the business, but it's absolutely true for the business owner and collectively as a group of people in the business, we have to figure out that balancing act. How do we keep our eye on the ball on today's deliverables while we're building tomorrow's future and or tomorrow's business, right? And if you're not doing both, you're just keeping today's thing going. You're never growing into the future. So you got you to gotta have some kind of meeting rhythm. And then we get really dialed in on, um, and I, I sort of alluded to this, but the alignment of effort. So every single role in the business, what are their three measurable pieces of ownership? Like, and you can call them KPIs or OKRs, or, you know, we call them big three, but these are the three measurable things that that role earns. It doesn't matter who's in the role, whoever's in the role today needs to deliver one, two, three measurable things that they do day in and day out to deliver the, you know, for us to go together to that stated mission that we were talking about. So those are those are three keys that we we help every business owner with. They're really clear on setting the vision, help them hire lead and fire to that vision, do the meeting rhythms, and then make sure that every role has clarity about how they contribute to the whole and its measurable ownership. Have you been in a situation where uh, someone brought you on as a coach? They're they're under the three million dollar mark, and they're doing a kind of a lot of the right stuff with the execution. Yeah. They, they, maybe they have a, a, you know, a mission statement. They have culture. They have, you know, their hiring practices are pretty decent for their employee, you know, who are hiring, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of the right stuff, but they, they just, they're, uh, the, what the company does for a living is either super highly competitive or, uh, you know, there's just, they're, 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 they're running up, they're hitting their head up against the wall because it's just, they kind of picked a, a rough business to be in. Have you seen yeah. that? Yes. Yes. Uh, I was talking to a guy, actually, he lives in the Northeast. Um, I don't know how close he is to where you're at, but he had this, he had this coffee business in in the big city and there were i mean there's coffee everywhere and like it's a it's a brick and mortar place right they got a shop and and they were trying to also be the roaster for other coffee shops and but at some point the market or the model only supports so much and he just he just bumped in against that now i i would i would not be me if i didn't at least make the argument that the very best always rise, right? That there is more opportunity for the very best. So even if they had a lot of the the right building blocks, if they didn't completely dial those things in, they could they could be operating at a subpar level or, or suboptimally, even if they were operating at a good level. Um, so I, I still kind of the ever believer that the, the best leaders build the best businesses and the best businesses win. So you look at, you know, for years and years, Southwest Airlines was in a highly competitive business, challenging, you know, to, to run a, a successful, profitable business. But they dialed in their culture and they had their 
you know, they're disciplined. These things we don't compromise on. And they had their, their recipe for success. And, and it worked for a long time. Uh, I don't know if we could still hold them up as an example today, but I, I do think the best businesses win. And so I think there's a, there's a place for still rising above the rest. Now, having said that, I do think there's certain markets, certain models, certain things that are just like, man, you picked a rough business to go make this happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have seen that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, some of the businesses that I did were that way. I, in some of my earlier businesses, what I did was I always tr- I caught waves. So mm-hmm. I would catch a wave, a trend of a business. I was always been in the B2B uh, space, but I would catch a trend and uh and uh, and a wave you know a a, a floating a ra- rising tide floats all boats mm-hmm. and then you know the idea with the first couple of my businesses was that uh i would be able to pivot and with the first couple of businesses i had i had a really hard time pivoting those businesses so in other words pivoting is when you're when you're working on something you're working in a business you're working on you know your business is doing something and then you you learn something and you uh, about something that your customer wants, and you you change the business slightly uh, to fill that need. And I I struggled with that for the first couple of uh, businesses. They still grew very big, but well, good. But uh, uh, so when I joined up with my business partner, the thing that was really interesting, like I work really hard, like I work really as aggressively, assertively. Uh, I, I'm intense. My business partner works smart, right? And so one of the things, you know, that I saw that he did was he would, uh, we would look for businesses to start that were unique and, and also, and this was the key, if there was high margins in the business, and this is the other part, and there's a lot of revenue in the industry that we're going into, uh, then that was a pretty unique business that had great uh, um, uh, uniqueness to it. And, And so the point being is that once we figured those businesses out, it grew so the multiplication of how it grew was so much faster because we didn't have to be so good at what we did. Yeah. You have yeah. available capital in those margins, right? Yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, it was so much better. It was like, and so I say this, sometimes I'll, I'll meet somebody who started a business that grew super fast and they, maybe they exit and I'll say to them, I say to myself, okay, now go do it again. Let's see how good you really are. Yeah. Because you might have just got a little lucky here and, you know, and then you start another business and you find out, oh, I'm really not that great at entrepreneurship. I just got lucky the first time around. And uh, and I think we've all had scenarios like that. But uh, have you seen that yourself? Yeah. yeah uh, we named our business Elite Entrepreneurs because it's it's only about three to five percent of businesses that ever start that get to a million plus in revenue. Yeah. Right? So, so you're already, you're elite. Now your yeah. point is some of them got lucky. Um, and so maybe it's the ones who have multiple businesses that get that far, like elite squared or something. Uh, but it's a, it's a relative, it's a really small percentage of business owners 
that even get to this point and then they have new challenges. They're like, I'm getting stuck. I don't know what to do. It was easy. Life was easier when I, you know, and I made more money when it was smaller and like, there's all these complications. And so, yeah, I, I do see some businesses that are like caught a wave and success. And it's like, Hey, you're an amazing entrepreneur, but really they just happen to be the right place in the right time. And then, you know, others like yourself are like, Nope, I've, I've done this repeatedly. I, we know that we know how to do it. And, yeah, uh, and uh, but the, yeah, the fact that matters is that all the guys that are in my EO forum group, they all are successful entrepreneurs. They didn't ha- like, f- like would the, would I say they've had f- any failed businesses? Not not really, not really. You know, and uh, they, st- you know, you know what's interesting too. And then we we gotta uh, close this up, but uh, is. Uh, two of them out of the nine uh, went back to once they sold their companies, went back and uh, uh, got a real job with not with the existing company that bought them, but what? a real job. Why? And they love no, they love it. Huh. They love it. And so uh, you know, you hear people say, "Oh, once you're an entrepreneur, you can't work for anybody else," and they love it. You huh. know, one works for Google. I'm sorry. One works for Amazon, does really well, and the other one works for a, a solar company and does really well and loves his his job. So, you wow. know, it's it is interesting. But the point being is that uh, I think the support group that we had built helped all of us uh, navigate the ups and downs of business ownership. I think uh, that's that's a key, and as. Uh, and I, I'm familiar with EO. I'm, I'm a member of EO. And I have this community of business owners that I serve, but I didn't have a community for me. So I, I joined EO. So I love hearing your your EO experience as well. Um, but whether it's whether it's EO or our elite entrepreneurs community or some other place, when you're around other peer business owners going through the same things you are, it's extremely valuable. And and we just got done saying how rare it is, right? Only three to five percent of businesses ever get there. So you you can't go around and ask anybody for help. It's it's only those people who understand what you're going through, and and have relevant experience can uh, be that kind of support group for you. So that's great. I love. Yeah, I, love- I, I do think that statistic is misleading, though. To be honest with you, because um, I think everybody who's in my EO group are all business to business, and what I find is if you're in the B2B space, your probability of six, uh, of getting, you know, big, bigger over that million, $3 million mark and, and being more successful is much higher than you're, if you're in a retail or B2C uh, space. Um, so I, I think it is misleading. Yeah, that's probably one of those things that's kind of built into that statistic right it is i mean they're they're putting in the retail and restaurants everything yeah you know that's just that's a you know crazy business to be in um and uh and so yeah i know well because they think that's all they think they know so um anyway uh and also the last thing i'll uh just of my experience is uh if you do join eo or elite your 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 organization's uh uh business group uh you gotta be patient at times there's there's going to be times when it's really really good and times when it's it's not so good uh and you just got to be patient with it because uh 
you, you'll get out of it what you put into it. And uh, sometimes, you know, you'll really click with other people and sometimes it may not be as great. And so I find out with my own entrepreneur group, uh, we go, we ebb and flow. So yeah, um, that's, that's great. Great comment. Yeah. yeah. And, and it goes back to what you said earlier, the, the growth, it's the growth investment. And if you're consistently investing in your growth, you're learning. That's going yeah. to benefit your business. And I think you can, uh, I think it's better to learn that through people, with people, through people than it is through books, yeah. honestly. So, well said. Yep. Yeah. So I'd like to thank so very much, Brent uh, Gilliland from uh, Elite Entrepreneurs for coming on to today's podcast. And if you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Also, please give us a, a five-star review if you like today's podcast or or the any of the other podcasts that we've done. It really helps us get the word out. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, FS is in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Brett, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, our website is growwithelite.com. Uh, all, all three of those words just together, growwithelite.com. And of course, they can reach out on LinkedIn or something else. But yeah, I just enjoyed being with you today, Stephen. That's uh, great, great conversation. Yeah, it was, it was great having you too as well, Brent. And for those of you, uh, uh, you spell uh, Brent's last name, G-I-L-L-I-L-A-N-D, again, from Elite Entrepreneurs. So my takeaway from today is this, is that from talking with Brent, because uh, Brent's very experienced. Listen, he's, um, I have a lot of business coaches sometimes on the show, and um, I think Brett really knows what he's talking about. I mean, I like that he has that experience. And so if you're looking for a coach and I listen, the coach should really pay for themselves. You know, if they're, if they're any good at what they do, they should easily cover what it costs. Uh, that's the way I've always looked at it and it, and it always worked out that way. Uh, but, the, but, but to me, there's a very simple formula for becoming a really good entrepreneur. And the sooner you can learn that, the, the more successful you're going to be and the, the more you're going to be able to reduce your risks of not being successful. So um, I think that's the thing. You have to learn as an entrepreneur the, the various steps that give you the highest percentage of probability of success. And that's what we're talking about here, putting yourself in a position where you, you reduce the chance of failure. And I think uh, um, Brett did a great job today of articulating that. Other than that, I want to wish everybody a great day. Uh, and uh, remember that being an entrepreneur is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So make sure you're you know, saving up some of that energy. Have a great day.